Welcome to How Leaders Lead. I'm Kula Callahan here to bring you another edition of Three More Questions with David Novak. David, we got a fun one today. Are you excited for it? I sure am, Kula, because today we're diving into my conversation with Alan Mulally, the former CEO of Ford Motor Company. I loved this episode, and it was really hard to narrow my questions down to just three because there's so much wisdom in this episode. And one of the things that I don't ask you about in the three questions for today, but that I loved that Alan shared was his leadership principle of love them up. And it's this idea he really wanted everywhere he worked to adopt, to serve other people, show them that he appreciated them and really recognize them for the value that they brought to the company. You know, cool. I think all the best leaders share a philosophy that nobody's going to care about you until you show them that you care about them. And that's Alan's philosophy. He's lived it throughout his career, and and it worked. And I think what was really interesting is early on in his career at Boeing, you know, it was a very different approach. And I said, what, you know, what was it that gave you the courage to talk about love and business? And he said, well, I had a boss that basically told me, hey, keep being Alan Mulally. Keep being the Alan that everyone knows, and that's what you do, and keep it going. And he said, it just freed me up to, to be who I am. That's a great segue into our first question for today. So I think you did a great job of teeing us up. Let's dive right in. All right, question number one. When Alan began working at Boeing, like you mentioned, the culture there was one of command and control. There wasn't a lot of loving people up in that culture. And like you said, this was really counter to Alan's philosophy and how he liked to work with other people. But over time, as Alan moved into more leadership roles at Boeing, he really shifted the culture to one of working together, where everyone was aligned, had full visibility into what was going on in the company, and really who valued serving each other. And this was a pretty dramatic shift for the organization and the culture at Boeing. And David, I'm curious, what should leaders do first when they're trying to completely transform a company culture like this? Well, I think the first thing you have to do is just like you diagnose a business problem, you have to diagnose the workplace. You know, what are the behaviors of the current culture? What's working? What isn't working? How do you want to shape the culture, the work environment, so you can get the best possible results? And, you know, Alan talks about the importance of of working together. He, he talked about his working together principles. That, and I found that very interesting because when I was running Yum! Brands, I always talked about our culture being our how we work together principles. And, and these are basically the behaviors that we know will drive success. I think the way how you really build a great culture is you identify those characteristics, those behaviors that you know, if everyone executes them, you're going to get great results. And what we did at Yum was we we looked at the characteristics, the behaviors that our highest performing restaurant general managers had, and then we made them our cultural behaviors that we wanted to drive across every function in the company and at every restaurant. And believe me, it really helped uh, get the kind of results that we were looking for. And those behaviors were things like teamwork, positive energy, taking accountability, recognition, being customer focused. And, you know, every time we we would see these kinds of behaviors, we would see great results wherever we looked. And those were the things that we wanted to drive deep in the culture. So I think, you know, Alan uh, really had his own basic philosophies on, on what creates a great work environment. 
and he drove those deep. And they were very universal, and they came basically from his mom and dad who taught him a lot of those principles. You know, I took a little bit different approach. My how we work together principles would be different than what Alan's were, but they're, they're pretty much the same when you really boil it down. A lot of people think about company culture and kind of those soft skills that make an organization great and don't really know how to tactically go about executing it. And so offering leaders the insight of diagnosing the culture first and then identifying where you want to go is a really helpful way not only to define reality for what's working and what's not working, but to also recognize the potential of the organization. Hey, if we moved from this kind of siloed, commanding, control-focused culture to one where everybody really comes together and is aligned around one mission, think about how much further we could get. And I think that the best leaders realize that culture is the most important thing they can do to, to really drive and make their highest priority because that's how you ultimately get results. It's how you work together to get those results. Well, you're right that you and Alan both shared those working together principles. And while they were different, it really communicates the same sentiment. And I think that obviously that's why Yum Brands and Ford were both wildly successful. One thing about both his principles and the principles I had is they're, they're very pragmatic and they're very grounded in what really will drive the business. I've never really been one to talk about cultural values. Values sound so amorphous. I like breaking it down in the behaviors. What do you mm. really want me to do? And I think that's how you really drive culture. So good. All right, question number two. One of the most important processes that Alan implemented during his early time at Ford was this. They moved from a mindset of creating and releasing products that they thought were going to be great to getting input from customers around what the customer wanted and valued and creating products based on that input. He really wanted to shift his team's focus from what they wanted to what the customer wanted in an environment that was really rapidly changing. David, from your perspective, what can other leaders learn from this customer-centric product development focus? Well, I think it's the difference between winning and losing. You lose when you develop things because you think they are important and you think it's the way to go and you don't really understand what the customer's really thinking and what they're really looking for. And I've seen so many companies like Ford get in trouble because they're internally focused instead of externally focused. You you have to be externally focused and, and that means you got to Listen and respond to the voice of your customer. This is fundamental, and it is the difference between winning and losing. Well, you're absolutely right, because when Alan took over at Ford, they were projected to lose $17 billion that year. And in just two years, using these principles, along with the ones we talked about in question number one, they started earning a profit. And one of the things he credits is this move from being internally focused to externally focused. Yeah, it also just shows you how massively Ford was being undermanaged. You know, the culture was terrible, the customer was not in the equation, and when that happens, it's a formula for disaster. That's why I say it's the difference between winning and losing. It is also very pragmatic. It's not some ethereal philosophy that you can think on. It's something you can actually do. So for those of us that 
don't have a direct line to our customers and who don't understand the real pain points that they're dealing with, it's time that you do because that could be the difference between winning and losing. You know, it was so important to us that, you know, we we developed what we called customer mania. We didn't want to have people just customer focused. We wanted people being maniacal about satisfying customers and listening, responding to their needs. And, you know, people would say, hey, David, do you really want us to be customer maniacs? I mean, that sounds crazy. And I said, yeah, uh, let's give it a try and see what happens. <laughs> okay, question number three. When Alan was at Ford, every week he led a weekly business plan meeting where every leader from every division provided an update on their division. And in that meeting, they also brought any issues or challenges they had come across in the week prior. Now, they color-coded their discussion topics. So if it was red, it meant that it was an issue that they hadn't yet found a solution for. If the topic was yellow, that meant there was an issue and they had a potential solution for it. And if it were green, that meant that it was good news. A lot of companies don't offer this type of transparency to every leader in their company. But I'm curious, David, from your point of view, how can transparency like this really bring a team together? Well, I think Alan gave you a great example of that. You know, when he first started having his meetings with his global leadership team, people would come in with what they were working on and everybody had a green. Everything was green and they just lost $17 billion and everything is green. How in the world can everything be green if you just lost $17 billion? And, you know, Alan knew that the culture was in deep wanna when that was happening, that he had to create an environment where people could actually get the facts out there and lay out the issues. You know, one of the things a leader has to do is you have to develop trust. And that means that you have to create a safe haven. And when one of his leaders actually came in for the first time and had a red, he started clapping. He literally started the plotting because that that's when he knew the business was going to be turned around because people were coming forward with the issues. And then better yet, after that leader came forward with the issue, they started ideating and coming up with different solutions. And they walked out of the room with an action plan that was much better than what they had when he came in. One of the other things that you talked about with Alan in the episode is this concept of functioning in reality and defining reality. And like you said, the company was doing so poorly and no one was functioning in reality. Everybody was trying to make the story look better than it really was. And while they might have thought that would have made them look better, it made the company look horrible because they're losing all this money and not reporting on the actual issues they were coming up against. But importantly, you have to understand the root cause of this, and that is that the people felt that if they brought forward the problems, uh, they'd get fired, it, you know, because nobody wanted to hear the problems. You know, you're, you're supposed to bring in the solutions. So, you know, I think Alan was very wise when he started celebrating the Reds when they came in. Now, you obviously don't want to celebrate Reds forever. You want those Reds to turn into greens. But if you're really trying to get people focused on being transparent and getting on with what needs to be done, you have to really kind of take stock of, of the progress that you make. And, and in that situation, having people coming forward with, with a Red was really a big win. And he recognized that. 
Some of the most fun times I've had in my career were when the company I was working for was up against a challenge and everybody came together to ideate on a solution for it and create an action plan to resolve it. So there's kind of this intangible fun benefit of bringing problems to the table that motivates a team to do better work and to do smarter work to come up with something that's going to solve it. You know, I never really liked the the word culture. It sounds too much like a germ to me. Okay, but what we're really talking about is a work environment. And when you get the right work environment and you identify the right behaviors that you want to want to have happen, it becomes the soft stuff that really drives hard results. And you know, it's it's like Alan going back to his love them up idea. You know, that's that sounds sort of really soft, but man, I'm telling you what, if you really walk the talk on that, that will drive some big time results. I'm sure everyone listening has a story where they didn't feel loved or respected at work and didn't have the gumption or willpower to do their best work and to collaborate with others. And then they also probably have a story when they did feel that way. And there's a very distinct difference in not feeling loved or supported at work and feeling loved or supported at work. And if you're somebody who's in a work environment where that doesn't exist, I encourage you today to just start doing it. Start walking the talk. Alan says in the episode that one of his key principles in life and in business is to love and be loved in that order. And so I encourage you to just think today about how you can love up your employees and your team members to really get the best out of them and achieve the greatness that you're looking for. All right. Well, that wraps our episode of three more questions today. Thanks again for tuning in to another edition of How Leaders Lead. We're on a mission to make the world a better place by developing better leaders. And if you carve out a little time with us each and every week, we'll help you build the confidence you need to lead well. And tune in Thursday as we dive into my conversation with Patrick Lencioni, best-selling author and founder of The Table Group. And let me tell you something, this guy is chock full of wisdom and you will pick up some learnings I know you can apply today and tomorrow.